Transforming a Nation. In this podcast, Janet discusses the church's role, mandate, and practical strategies for societal transformation. Be encouraged as Janet shares prophetic insights for realigning nations with God's original plan and their kingdom destiny. Well, hello, everyone. I trust that you're really going to enjoy this podcast today as I ask the Holy Spirit to just teach us and to share with us some very interesting factors on economic injustice, societal injustice. And this is a subject that affects all of us, Amen. the economy and corruption in the economy, corruption in society. And we can just um, understand and we can testify and identify with this in our very own surroundings. Many people have um, encountered economic injustice against them. Many have encountered um, um, societal and even generational economic injustice um, because of uh, things that family and situations that have taken place in family lines, etc., etc. So um, I trust that today God will really just um, share and, and just impart to you um, an understanding, a greater understanding. And, and not only do we want to examine and just share some stories um, of economic injustice, but we are asking the Holy Spirit to really share with us and to teach us and, and to um, reveal to us what is the way out and how can we be placed in in. in um, society to really make a difference. Amen. It can't just be the economists. It can't just be the treasury, but it's you and I, people on the ground, the church on the ground, the ecclesia on the ground, that God is calling to bring reformation and transformation in this um, um, great um, societal breakdown, if I can put it that way. So um, why don't you just share this, uh, get others to come online with you, um, just won't you ask others to subscribe to our channel as well. Um, we are growing and people are enjoying this. We want to grow even further. We want to more people to be touched by these broadcasts and these podcasts. Okay, so um, just an interesting factor to start off with, South Africa as a country um, is ranked seventh in the world in terms of corruption. Isn't that disgusting and isn't that horrific? And that really shows me the breakdown in society. That really shows me our moral values in terms of, of business, in terms of economics, in terms of society and the church in general. And uh, uh, South Africa is a country where, grub, where drugs, criminal syndicates and mafia operations are common to everyday life. Um, we see money laundering is common. We see um, law enforcement is weak. Um, uh, the instruments um, in terms of the judiciary and enforcement of laws um, is very weak and is lacking in our nation. And so there are many nations in the world um, that are um, suffering and that have the same <coughs> excuse me, problems. We look at Mexico, we look at India, we look at third world countries which are sadly lacking in economic justice and economic transformation. And so the Lord has placed the church here at this time. Amen. God has placed the church in society 
for economic transformation. So I want to just share um, one or two stories with you today um, from um, a book written by Vish, Vishal Mangalwadi called, um, the book is called Truth and Transformation. And um, he has, uh, he's a, a, a professor, um, an educationist, and, and he works strongly in Africa. He works um, obviously in India and he works in third world countries, help, helping to educate and bring reform in the education sector. And so he describes in this book how he was in the air and he was returning to India from a trip and next to him was an Indian businessman. And this businessman had been um, chewing his ear off, if we can um, describe it as such, uh, obviously talking through the night. And he was just about to say to this businessman, look, I'm needing to get some sleep. Please, will you just um, stop talking and, and let's quieten down. I really need my sleep. When the businessman um, uttered a statement and, and said, you know, it's far easier to do business in the United Kingdom than what it is in India. And so this immediately awakened Vish, Vish, Vishal, <laughs> Mr. Vishal, this awakened him and, and caught his attention. And he thought, well, I can't stop this conversation now because of um, this particular statement. And so he began to ask him and, and said, well, why is it easier to do business in the United Kingdom rather than in India? And he said, it's simply because of the trust factor. Amen. Everyone trusts you over there. And so if we look at our personal finance, if we look at um, finances closer to home, we look at finances and economics in terms of our nation, in terms of um, small business, in terms of large business in, in our nation, what is the trust factor like? Obviously, if South Africa is ranked seventh in the world in terms of corruption, there's very little trust. There's very little trust economically. There's very little trust in government. And so how can that trust be built up and how can that, that level of trust change? And this is what we want to um, have a look at in this, this uh, particular podcast. And so he replied without... Um, pausing and he said the trust factor is what allows business to thrive in these countries, these first world countries. Not only the trust factor, but um, 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 economic justice, not only economic justice, but also the judiciary and the enforcement of law and order. And many third world countries don't have a, a functioning judiciary, don't have a functioning state. Um, he then goes on to describe how um, he and his wife, Vishal, and his wife went off to um, uh, the Dutch and um, the Netherlands, and they wanted to um, uh, do a, a, a farming tour because they wanted to learn um, um, as to agriculture and dairy production in um, the Netherlands. And so they went, they um, were asked. Um, by a farmer to um, obviously conduct this tour and do a bit of research. So they went off to a remote part of, of the Netherlands, somewhere in the north, 
And he said that when um, they were touring this dairy, he was very, very surprised, okay, because there was no one milking the cows. The cows um, were being milked by machines, and they were pumping the milk um, into a huge tank. And, and so the dairy was, uh, in a way, um, self-operational. Um, it was obviously operating um, based on tech technology, and, and it was obviously a first world dairy. And so he walked into the milk room, and there was no one to sell the milk there. And he expected um, his tour guide, Jan, to ring the bell and call for somebody um, because he obviously wanted to buy the milk. But instead, um, uh, Jan just opened the tap and he took his jug and he filled the, um, the jug without anybody um, supervising, without anybody watching over him, um, and the jug was filled. And so then uh, Vishal was kind of thinking, well, what's going to happen next, you know? Surely there must be somebody that can come out here and, and work the till and, and, and um, pay, you know, do the financial transaction. So um, Jan uh, reached up to the windowsill and took a bowl full of cash. He took out his wallet and he put these 20 guilders into the bowl and took some change. And uh, um, Vishal said that he was absolutely shocked because there was nobody there to oversee the transaction. There were no um, cameras like we are used to today. And um, we not only have cameras um, in our streets, we have cameras in business, we have cameras wherever we go. And this is all because of a lack of trust and moral degradation in society. And so he put the change back in his pocket after he'd done the exchange and he picked up his jug and he started walking out and he said, come Vishal, the transaction is complete. I've got my milk, here's your milk and let's go. And Vishal said to Jan, well, you know, if this was India, um, you would take the milk and you would take the money. And I think in many third world countries, it's the same in South Africa. If we had, um, if we found ourselves in a situation like this, we would not only take the milk, we would take the money and probably the cow as well. So let's have a look at this example and we look at the whole economic value chain in terms of this. So if we were dishonest and if Jan was dishonest and walked away with the milk and walked away with the money, right? the dairy owner would then have to employ a sales lady. Right? Who would be paying for her? Well, the consumer would be paying. We would be paying because obviously the price of the milk would be increased to have to pay for her salary. However, if consumers are dishonest, why should the supplier be honest? If con the consumer is dishonest, does this not make the supplier dishonest? If the supplier is dishonest, does this not make the consumer dishonest? We then see okay, in terms of this example, that the farmer would have to add water to the milk to increase the volume. And so obviously, this he wouldn't be able to advertise it as pure and wholesome milk. 
And then the consumer, if the consumer is honest, he would then begin to protest that the milk is adulterated. And so there's a whole chain reaction here. And with enough protest, the government would then have to appoint milk inspectors. And who would have to pay for the milk inspectors? You and I, the taxpayer. And so therefore this puts a burden on us. This puts a burden on those that are honest in society. This puts a burden on those that want to walk in moral integrity and economic integrity. And can you see how this whole value chain, the economic chain is affected? Relationships are affected. Economics are affected. The economy is affected. And so this is just one example. Now this is why this businessman said, well, there's trust. There's so much trust between us. Yes, obviously in every society there's bribery and there's corruption because society as a whole is turned away from God. But here's just one example. And so multiply this in a third world state, multiply this in a first world state, and we can see on both scales as to the type of fruit that is being produced, as to the outworking and the conditions of society, as to the economic conditions of the poor and as to the economic conditions of the more wealthy. Why the trust, the moral integrity factor must be um, looked into, it must be studied, it must be taken and factored into, okay, as we study this subject. So what we want to just emphasize today is that the high price of sin prevents you and me from patronizing genuine economic activity in a nation. Okay? And in paying for others' distrust, in paying for others' dishonesty, amen, my propensity to covet and steal my neighbor's milk and steal my neighbor's money is actually on the increase instead of the decrease. And so the high price of sin makes it very difficult for economic growth, makes it very difficult for nations to, that are third world to become first world. Okay? This culture of distrust and dishonesty robs me and you of money. Okay, that could provide a better life for our children, that could provide a better infrastructure for our cities, that could provide a better education. Why are many families not able to send their children um, for education and, and to schools and to be educated um, beyond um, school leaving um, opportunity and beyond school leaving age? simply because of the lack of finances, because of the breakdown in society, and also because of this, um, this immoral covetousness where we must have our neighbor's money or we must have our neighbor's milk and therefore we are paying for this. You see, a, a small country like the Netherlands, a small country like the United Kingdom where the, the principles of trust and, and economic justice and, and, and economic um, moral integrity are so strong, 
Africa, enables them to donate money to poorer countries, enables them to help their former colonies. Why? Because it's written into the moral value chain, the economic value chain, that we have to do business um, with integrity, that we have to do business with honesty and injustice. Amen. So economists of a nation always know that the closer the ties of the public treasury okay, to public officials. This is a recipe for disaster. This is a recipe for bankruptcy, economic bankruptcy, economic and moral disaster. So when we think of South Africa as a nation and we're moving into these 2024 elections, we're preparing for these elections. Elections are often won on campaigning which promotes economic transformation and which promotes social justice, social um, job creation, etc. And so I would encourage you as um, a believer today to um, put your ear to the ground as to um, the campaign slogans, as to the campaign rhetoric um, of, of many nations. Um, we look at Donald Trump of the United States. We look at how each one of these particular um, uh, political figures that are also campaigning for, I think it's January 2024, as do their campaign strategy and message is all about the economy of the United States. Because after all, the scripture says that money answers all things. But if um, there's a breakdown of trust between yourself and your government, how can we trust a government um, that has, uh, by the fruits of of, of its um, um, interaction and the fruit of its, its uh, practices and its uh, economic policies, its social policies, which have only brought the nation to poverty. How can we trust the government um, if they are um, proposing and, and um, encouraging us to believe that the economic strategies going forward will be different? Why? Because um, moral integrity is a huge factor behind the socio-economic and socio-political success of the West. And so we here in South Africa, we here in Africa, in third world nations need to learn from this and allow God um, to change us. And as the church, we need to rise up and need to have a voice in society, have a voice um, um, and, and uh, trust God to put people in um, um, uh, situations in business, small and medium enterprise business who write the policy of nations and who write economic policies and then for business and, and, and for large and small um, enterprises and we will begin to witness God change things. So where did this morality originally come from? Very interesting. Why isn't my society equally trustworthy? Well, let's have a look at the pioneers of modern education, all right? And these pioneers of modern education um, in the early 1500s made character formation a primary function because they accepted that Judeo-Christian values are holy. Okay. They accepted that um, the formation um, of moral character must be based, all business must be based 
okay, on Judeo-Christian values. I remember um, confronting a, a business person not so long ago that was fully behind what Russia is doing in Ukraine and, and Russian type of, of business dealings. And I said to her, what about Judeo-Christian values? Why don't you vote, vote for that? Why don't you vote for nations that practice this? And her answer to me was, there are no nations that practice it. Well, it just shows me a level of her integrity and her intellect and, and her understanding of God's um, value system and God's moral chain of, of economic um, um, prosperity. So God is holy. Um, this, these um, particular educators um, said that God has given us moral laws, which are the Ten Commandments. And they began to propagate that obedience to God's word is the precondition for shalom and peace um, and the source of a good life and the source of a good society. They also began to propagate and began to teach that disobedience to God's moral law is sin that does not go unpunished. And so society and educators um, began to teach and began to impart and train business people um, that these are, 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 are the um, values that need to be promoted in society. Um, so why is our moral um, foundation in society um, um, floundering? Why, why is it the way that it is? Okay, If moral integrity then in society is foundational to prosperity, why don't secular ex experts talk about it? Why do universities no longer know whether moral laws are true universal for universal principles. That's quite a factor if you look at it. Um, I was just uh, reading an article um, not so long ago about what's taking place and, and why a certain party in South Africa is growing um, the support base within the universities. And um, this particular article said it's because they get their way and they they um they they have success at everything they are demanding by promoting rebellion by promoting upheaval by promoting um corruption by promoting um um societal upheaval within the 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 campus of the university and so this is exactly opposite to what truth tells us truth is peaceful truth is just. Okay, and so um, in, uh, universities today no longer know whether moral laws are truly universal principles. Okay, they um, only know that these um, um, true universal principles, which guide society, which change society, they they describe them as mere social conventions, which are made to restrict our freedoms. Isn't this incredible? Mere social conventions, not um, character formation principles that are God-breathed, that can change um, and can, um, instead of restricting freedoms, can liberate society, can, uh, uh, can cause each one to enjoy a, a personal prosperity, um, which, is a, which is a prosperity that doesn't covet, that doesn't steal their neighbor's goods. Okay, 
Um, economists have lost the secret of the West's success because philosophers have lost the idea of truth. And so what universities are preaching, a kind of philosophy that is devoid of truth, that is devoid of moral integrity and moral value. And if there was moral integrity and value, we wouldn't see these uprisings in the universities. Amen. We wouldn't see these rebellions in the universities. Why? Because my um, um, covetousness and my selfishness steals from my neighbor. My covetousness and selfishness does not promote moral justice, societal justice, amen, where we can all live in peace. So if we look at real world economics today, real world economics are a result of the morality that you and I possess and the kind of philosophy that we have. And so if our morality is based on Christ, okay, if our philosophy is based on the Word of God, on the Ten Commandments today, we will begin to witness a change in society. We will begin to witness a change in the things that we are doing. So the pioneers of modern education um, in 1576, they got together with the Catholic Church, all right, and they translated the catechism, which are precepts for instruction in morality. And they began to review two of the commandments. Now, that what, that's what we want to look at in our next um, podcast and what God has to say about corruption, what God has to say about economic activity. But if we allow corruption to remain, all right? This affects consumers. This is like a cancer that affects politicians, bureaucrats. It affects managers. It affects operators. It enables kickbacks. It enables commissions. It enables bribes. It enables society to be devoid of prosperity and all kinds of growth and economic transformation. So I trust today that you've enjoyed this. I trust that um, God has spoken to you personally. We all need to upgrade and we all need to reassess our values economically, amen, our moral practices. And so won't you just spread this um, uh, broadcast, this podcast, won't you invite others to be part of this and share this podcast and let others hear this what God has to say concerning economic transformation. God bless you.